Today on Locked On Canadians, we're going to talk about whether or not the Habs might trade down in this upcoming draft. We also have three names the Habs may be interested in. And finally, we're going to talk about drafting for business versus drafting for need. And that's all coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 870. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Sav, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla, who did another mock draft on yesterday's episode. So if you missed that episode, please go check that out. Uh, the response has been kind of overwhelming. These mock drafts that you've been doing, Scott, have been really, really fun. Um, how are you doing today after that, uh, the third edition of the Montreal Can or the Locked On Canadians mock draft? Well, I told people on Twitter to just yell at me if they didn't like the picks. I'm not going to read any of those because, well, you know, I, I value my own sanity in that. But it's always fun to do mock drafts because I've run it at three separate times. The Habs are picking like 10th. The Habs are picking 7th and like 15th. The Habs are picking 5th and 31st. It's three very different drafts across the board there. And it, it leads to a lot of interesting possibilities that I try to not do the same draft over and over again. Like I want to look at the options that are out there and present, hey, what are the Canadians going to do? And as of right now, hell if any of us know at this point, because you hear one thing and then you hear another thing, then you hear the opposite, then you hear another thing and you hear another thing and you hear another thing. And it's like, I don't know. And I love the draft, but I am so looking forward to just like being through this already because one, it's on a Wednesday night. And by the time the Habs pick at 31, it's going to be basically Thursday. And you and I both have day jobs and we want to go to bed at a decent hour. <laughs> so uh, I am very excited. Not only for that. Not only that, this is happening on a random Wednesday night after I move. Like, this is the thing. Moving sucks. Don't do it. It's the worst thing in the world. And I'm, like, right in the middle of it. And so, like, that'll be right after my move. I don't even know if I'll be recovered enough to even get excited if the Canadians pick who I want them to pick at fifth. And, and the thing is, I have to recover from the emotional investment of going to forbid uh, going to forbidden door two in Toronto over the weekend where my voice will likely be shot by the time I get back to recording on that Tuesday, the day before the draft where we will have an episode. And then also feeling the investment of how am I going to feel after watching Brian Danielson fight Kazuchika Okada at Scotiabank arena, where finally a championship will be on the line for someone in Toronto. So there is that, not in that match, but in other matches. That's not the point. <laughs> this is not a wrestling podcast because, one, I don't want to bore Laura, and, two, no one wants to hear my thoughts on that right now. If my boss is listening. But I appreciate the ability to dig into, to, to, to get a Toronto dig in there. Um, Scott, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about whether or not the Habs would trade down. Did this all come from Arpen Basu's mock draft, or are there new rumors or new pieces of news? 
Uh, this came from Eric Engel's article at Sportsnet today, I believe. Uh, I, Hab's Twitter is one. Cole Caulfield was hanging up here with Pierre-Luc Dubois all weekend. We haven't even gotten into that, and we probably won't until later on in the week because it's probably nothing, but also it's everything because we are Canadians fans, and that's how things go in this. Uh, but I believe in Engel's article today, he mentioned the possibility of the Canadians trading down because it feels like there is a buffet in front of Kent Hughes here. And we'll talk about some of the other important names in that in the next segment there. But there's so many options. And if I'm Kent Hughes and I'm looking at the buffet and I go, well, I can go and get chocolate cake right now at the buffet. And chocolate cake, say, let's say it's David Reinbacher. Chocolate cake, David Reinbacher here. It's fine. But also, what if I can add other things to that? I can, I can trade down. I can still get my chocolate cake. And I can go and get like lobster mac and cheese crab rangoon and things of that nature uh at this buffet and then still get the chocolate cake are they going to add assets to this and it seems like it might be the opportunity that kent hughes is looking for he he always is looking to make a move as we've seen here and this isn't even related to dubois i'll tie that in our next segment here but i honestly think instead of trading up i would rather they trade down a few spots and gather some assets in this draft if you trade, uh, and this goes to Arpan Basu's mock draft, we talked about it with Tony Ferrari. If you trade five and 31 and get nine in a mid teens pick, and you can get, let's say, Ryan Leonard, David Reinbach, or Dmitry Simashev, and then you can draft a Gabriel Perot, a Oliver Moore if he's there, Colby Barlow, uh, Gavin Brindley, someone of that nature, you might be net coming out on top. You maybe miss out on that ceiling a little bit from a Smith or a Mishkov, a Benson, but are you building a steadier base with guys who are higher floor, slightly lower ceiling? It, it does seem like a big possible. And we've talked about trading up and trading this and trading left and trading right. And, you know, trading Macarena and everything else at this point. But trading down seems like it might actually be the realest possibility of your Kent Hughes. Well, this is the thing. It really does depend if you really are into that idea of that David Reinbacher, right? And and or somebody else that you know is going to go later. Somebody else that you know the Sharks aren't going to take. Anaheim's not going to take. You know, whoever's drafting right after you, like the Flyers or whoever Arizona aren't going to take. So I think for me, it really comes down to if you know what your name is and you're really not all that fussed about the players that are going to come before you. Or you know that whoever you want, like let's say they really, really want Carlson, but they know there's no chance. They might trade down and they might even wait until draft day and see, all right, Carlson's gone. I wanted him. All right, let's trade down and do this thing, you know? So we might see a last minute trade. It does kind of make sense to me. Like you said, it's a net positive because you're you're not shooting for the moon. and But at the end of the day, you're getting a possibility of two legitimate NHLers, right? That's the thing. Like you're increasing your floor. You might be sacrificing a little bit of upside, but you're also, what you're doing is you're safeguarding a little bit more against what I'm just going to call the downside. Um, and, and I think it's a very intriguing idea. It's just that for me right now, I'm still like, why won't the Canadians just go and shoot for the moon? You're drafting so high, just shoot for the moon. And then work, use your development to, to work out. I know this is kind of a, a moot point with, with Mitchkov, but I also just feel like there's a sense that I'm getting that maybe one of the top four teams will want Mitchkov. And I, I guess my final point on this one too is that 
if you stick with just five and you don't pick until 26 picks later, the quality of a player at 31, there are still good players in this draft, as we've talked about with every scouting person we've had on so far. There is depth talent. But if your number five misses and everyone else is just okay, like, you know, bottom six NHLer, are you better off hitting two mid-floor guys at nine and mid-teens that are maybe middle six guys, not superstars? The, the math is, it's always complicated in that, okay, if you hit on Smith or Mishkov hits or Benson hits and they are a superstar for your team, you are laughing. But let's say like when the Canadians picked Alex Galchenyuk here. Galchenyuk was a very serviceable NHLer. He had a lot of upside and it kind of got stunted, whether that was development or anything else in that regard. Or that injuries. True. There were some injuries too. And injuries. But you look at Morgan Riley, who is a star defenseman. If you didn't know that, or if you're the case, you trade down out of three. Yasperi Kotkaniemi kind of fits in that bar there. Are you okay with knowing the risk that if you miss on five, your other picks might not make up as much as opposed to drafting two in the middle where maybe they equal what five would have been. And maybe that's just the way my brain is kind of computing it. And I know everyone's a little bit different here, but the it's a very fascinating uh, philosophy here. Because some teams love to trade down and just accrue picks and accrue picks and accrue picks. Mark Bergevin did it all the time, but is Kent Hughes going to be different? I guess we'll find out uh, in Nashville here. Right. And that's the thing, like to me, it, it really is a matter of how, when's the next time you're going to draft this high? When's the next time you're going to draft in the top five? That's the calculation you're weighing against. It's not really like all the other stuff makes absolute sense. Uh, if you're looking at a long-term perspective, uh, but at the same time, like when's, you know, and, and it really, I think it, it will come down to the last minute because somebody might be available at five that nobody was expecting. And that will change the game entirely. In the meantime, we're going to change the game entirely. And we're going to, we're not really, <laughs> we're, we're talking about the same thing. Names the Canadians might be interested in. Uh, that's coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle, because every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride! eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Scott. Now it's time to talk about three ta three names the Habs may be interested in. This is like, it truly is silly season. I'm going to be excited when, when the Canadians draft on one next Wednesday, because at least we'll be able to retrospectively, retro, whatever it is, talk about things that actually happened as opposed to things <laughs> that may or may not happen. Uh, it's been, it's, you know, it is fun. It's fun to speculate. Rumors and stuff are fun. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of excited for some concrete things to talk about. 
All right, let's talk about this. The Canadians are, I guess, looking to the future and deciding on, like, what are the rumors here? Is it And is it rumors or is it educated guesses? So it comes from incarcerated, Bob. So your mileage may vary on this grain of salt and everything with that, but they've been right on Canadians things in the past here. And from what I, from what they tweeted today, and again, this is a grain of salt thing, but I think this is probably encouraging that for the Canadians is that they kind of have done due diligence heavily on three players uh, in the last week or so since the combine and everything else. And I believe are going to be one of the teams interested in actually talking with Mitchkov in Nashville when he arrives for the draft. But they've honed in on Will Smith, Madvey Mitchkov, and Zach Benson as like their three names. And we've heard Dvorsky. We've heard Reinbacher. We've heard Ryan Leonard. We've heard everything. I think those three names fit the mold of what this team wants and what this fan base, quite frankly, wants. And yes, you shouldn't just do what the fan base wants uh, because then you might end up in a rough situation. But I look at those three names and I go... High skill center, potentially a guy who probably would have gone first overall in any other year. Am I talking about Smith or Mitchkov? Who knows? It could be both. And then Zach Benson, who is just a relentless player. Like we talked about with Tony Ferrari, like I talked about in the mock draft. Everything Martin St. Louis would want in a player there. And the biggest thing with this is there are two wingers in there. If the Canadians at fifth overall draft either of Benson or Mitchkov, I think just like they did in Montreal – they are making a trade, and it'll be it'll probably be Dubois, if I'm being quite honest. There's so much bloody smoke around this that I think – Doc came out of nowhere, which makes me think Hughes has something else lined up that we are not expecting whatsoever on this. But I think if they pick a winner, they are adding a center via trade before round one is over with once again just because Hughes is like, I'm going to get my future winger here, and then I'm going to secure the middle of the – the middle of the ice here for the foreseeable future. If they pick Smith, maybe they trade up at 31. Maybe they trade 31 for an NHL player. Who knows? But I think those three names being the one that they've allegedly honed in on is what you want to see if you're a fan. That's betting on upside. None of them are overly large players. None of them are high floors. They are, they are each come with different risks, but the skill in everything that comes along with all three of these players is what you should be salivating over if you're the Montreal Canadiens. You're going to look at this and that you could have Mitch and Slavkovsky on a line. You could have Zach Benson playing opposite Cole Caulfield or on a line with Kirby Doc and someone like Josh Anderson or even Slavkovsky again or Mashar, any of these players. And I'm imagining a Beck Benson line where it is all smart hockey IQ. And I love that. And I think that's exactly what the Canadians are going for. It's not that Reinbacher and Ryan Leonard or Dvorsky are bad picks. It's that they lack that. I'm going to, and I'm going to call this that sexy upside and that they, they lack that a little bit. And I hear these three names are the ones that they're being mentioned. I go, I don't care any of the three. And I love that. I've come around a lot on Zach Benson. I had talked myself into Ryan Leonard and then thinking if Benson's there, I think if Smith is gone and you want, a winger and you're not sold on Mitchkov, you have to take Zach Benson in that spot. I think there's too much quality in that player to pass on them at that point. It's really interesting how over, over the course of the season, not just yourself, but 
the listeners too have kind of evolved like oh i really wanted will smith or or there was also there was a possibility that carlson might be available but as the season's gone on it's like no he's definitely going you know he's definitely going before the canadians pick uh ryan leonard was somebody who people were like hey maybe we should talk about him and now it's like no he's really in the mix right um and it's kind of it's really interesting to see how that's evolved i think for me the biggest thing is that the Canadians need star power. They need elite skill. Like, you know, in the absence of a Connor Bedard level player, the Canadians need a top six that is loaded. They also need good depth because there's always remember, always remember like a good bottom six is make, can make the difference between how far you go in the playoffs between just an average replacement level bottom six. But for me, the top six really, really needs you either need balanced out elite skill or you need one or two superstars. And like in what world are the Canadians going to get one or two superstars? You know, they got the first overall pick last year. And then, you know, this is not a situation where it's like Pittsburgh, where you have Malkin and you have Crosby and you have, you know, at the time they had Jordan Saul and all that. Like you need a very balanced uh, top six where there's skill everywhere where you can roll the top two lines, where you can, you know, kind of really challenge your opponents. And then your bottom six has to be a high caliber bottom six that can outplay the opponent at any at any given time, right? So this is your opportunity. Go for skill. Go for, go for creativity. Go for somebody who will complement the players that you see as part of the future. You just locked up two young stars. And you also gave Kirby Doc a bridge deal, which is probably going to end up biting you in the end um given how he's played in the in his first season with Montreal um but you know what like find players that you you're looking at this these guys and you're saying this is our future find players that compliment them I mean Slavkovsky is really the wild card because he could be a decent top six forward or he could be an incredible top six forward and we're going to talk a little bit about that in, in the in the in the last segment but I think for me you kind of what you have to do is you have to ensure that all six players on your top six, there's no weaknesses. And I think they're looking at that. And we love Josh Anderson on this podcast for a number of reasons. But as this team continues to evolve, do you look at this and go, this is a piece that doesn't fit? We know Suzuki, Caulfield, and Dokken where they fit. You are hoping Slavkovsky becomes part of that. Are you hoping that Mishkov or Benson becomes that? And I think they have the upside to do so. And like you said, that bottom six, that if your bottom six has guys like Raphael Harvey-Pinard and Yessi Alone and Owen Beck is like a 3C right now, you're in good shape going forward. We look at the Tampa system here. Their fourth line won cups because their fourth line played in a role that was that it needed to. And I think the Canadians are looking at that model and going, this is what we want, streamline that system. Every pick doesn't have to be a home run. Sometimes you get Kucherov. Sometimes you get Ross Colton, who is great. Not a superstar, but he's got two Stanley Cups. He scored a cup-winning goal. Hate that for us because it was against Carey Price. But those things matter. And I think that you are right that if they – these are the three names the Canadians are interested in. They want to lock down that top six, and they want to make it, oh, you're going to line match Nick Suzuki. Well, here's Kirby, Doc, and Zach Benson. Good luck. Oh, you're going to do that? Cool. Well, here's our third line where Yessi Alone and Raphael Harvey-Pinard and Owen Becker out there. The fourth line is – Pizzetta X, Y, and Z on there. It's like, good luck with that. I love the idea of just rounding that out. And with these three names, I think that's exactly what they're going for. 
Uh, and, and in the meantime, since we're talking about the draft, just before we started recording, we got a really fun mailbag question about drafting for the money factor, drafting for business versus drafting for need. And we're going to talk about that. And it's going to be a little bit more philosophical uh, in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. So just before we started recording, literally as we sat down to record, we received an email from a listener, our listener Emric, who has sent in really intriguing questions in the past. And I think this is a really interesting philosophical discussion. Um, so I'll read the question. I always wonder if the money factor affects the choice of prospects. For example, with the fact that Michkov could potentially produce more money in terms of star power you know, butts and seats, merch and all of that, uh, then a Smith or a Leonard, could that factor in uh, to a decision uh, like we've seen with Chicago and Bedard, right? Like they're already selling, um, you know, based on the fact that they got the first overall pick. Does the GM also think of business in, uh, in addition to the ability of the prospect? I know at the end of the day, business is business, but how does it affect the team? Does the factor money come into play when it comes in the draft. I mean, the draft this year is stacked. So I'm excited to see which kid Montreal will choose. So thank you, Emric, for this question, because I thought it was really interesting. The thing is, I think it depends on what team you are and what market you're in. Uh, because at the end of the day, there's players, like, especially when you're drafting so high, there's players that could fit your, your identity as a team, fit your lineup or whatever. And then there's players that if they work out, they could really sell tickets. Um, and I, I think it's a, it's a really, really interesting discussion to have because at the end of the day, when you're drafting, you're not expecting the player to make your team for another few years. So you don't know what the makeup of your team is going to be. And at the same time, there's some guys that like really you could sell season tickets on that basis. I think it's it is a very interesting question. It all depends because Montreal is a unique market in you know the fact that it has not only a big anglophone you know fan base but also a Quebecois fan base that spans generations. And I mean, I don't say generations lightly in this here. And I've always kind of wondered that too. Like I, I I do wonder like. Would Mitchkov be that super if he if he is continuing to grow at that pace there and you know continues to be the 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 actual second fiddle to Connor Bedard? No offense to Adam Fantilli and Leo Carlson here. Then yeah, you can sell so much crap with Mitchkov's name on it and make a ton of money on that. But I also think the same thing is true of Will Smith. I all if a player is exciting and has that upside that gets the fan base excited, no matter what regardless of where your team is, you can sell on that name. Arbor Jacki came into this organization as an undrafted overage prospect out of the OHL. He might be short of Caulfield and Suzuki, the most popular player on the team amongst fans right now for a number of different reasons. Sometimes it's just, it, you hit, you, you hit on something that you weren't expecting, I guess. In terms of drafting, I don't think that's so much Kent Hughes's thought with this is that Kent Hughes's job is not really to make the Canadians money. His job is to manage the team on ice. They have a marketing and a PR and, you know, CFOs and all those other things that Jeff Molson deals with. 
And if they can't market your prospects and exciting players, then find somebody who will market them. I don't think that goes into so much what the Canadians are thinking draft wise, because if that was the case and they would draft, you know, I don't know. I, it is a very interesting thought though. Like what would it look like if you drafted purely for like vibes and branding upside here? And because as we've seen, the NHL doesn't have, I want to say this nicely. It doesn't have a lot of personality. Like I look at like Austin Matthews and like Mitch Marner are like two of the most uh, sponsored athletes in the NHL here. When Austin Matthews talks, I'm not intrigued by what he has to say. PK Subban was exciting because he was brash. He was unapologetically PK. I think that goes into it is that the NHL until it kind of breaks out of this, you know, aw shucks shell here. It's like you look at football players, uh, European NFL players, they are their own person. They are their own brand. They know how to do that. But in terms of drafting across the board, to get back to the main question, I don't think it impacts what the Canadians would do, but I do think it changes maybe how they approach what they do in terms of marketing for players. Cause sometimes, like I said, you strike gold like Arbor Jack guy and it works out. And sometimes maybe you get a guy who's about as interesting as mm, white bread and mayo in a toaster or something like that. I don't know. You know what puts butts in seats? Do you know what sells merchandise? White bread winning. on toast. No. <laughs> well, winning, yeah, exactly winning. that. Like winning. Uh, I, you got to get the player that's going to give you the best shot. So, I think at the end of the day, like when you're, when you're approaching it, you might not be approaching it in terms of, is this guy going to be a bigger name or not, but is this the best player available? And am I, every time I make a drafting decision, picking the best player available and then developing them in such a way that the team is always fun to watch. It's always got a chance to win every night. People want tickets. I remember for the longest time, it was so hard to get Canadians tickets. It was like almost impossible. You had to sell a kidney. They were all sold out. I remember, you know, they would release tickets on Tuesdays every month. And I would be sitting there like fighting with the internet to get tickets. Like, because I wanted to see those players on the ice. I wanted, you know, like they, they would beat the Boston Bruins all the time. And I didn't realize the Canadians weren't all that good because I thought they were amazing but they would beat the Bruins all the time. I like, that was fun. Like I would constantly want to get tickets to games like that. So I think, you know, it is when you're, you, when you are making those business decisions, like I think that selecting players, even in, in free agency, even in, even in, in trades and things like that. Like, I think that at the end of the day, when you are the general manager, the philosophy is always, am I getting the best possible player for the group that I have that's going to give me the biggest chance to win? But I do think that when, if the player is a little bit more exciting, it makes it a lot easier for the marketing and PR teams because I think they don't need to work so hard to try and make these players seem interesting in their marketing material <laughs> is the nicest way I'm going to put it. It, it, it is just, it is such an introspective question here that is like, because some teams are very good at marketing their players. Some teams are very good at this. And we saw during the playoffs, even marketing the team is that it changes from PR department to PR department here. And you see how far good social work, social media work can go. And a lot of this is that 
even if you draft just the most boring guy in the world, you can make him seem like he is a millionaire playboy philanthropist and make the <laughs> most out of that. And I, I am intrigued that if the Canadians draft Mishkov, one, you have three years until he is in Montreal at, at the earliest short of something happening, which miraculous happening. Yeah. I don't, I don't pretend to know how the intricacies of navigating a contract like that or getting him out of a contract with uh, SKA in the KHL would work. I don't, but imagine the hype. If you're the Montreal Canadians that you go, we managed to get him out of his contract, you know, a year and a half, two years early to get him to Montreal because we thought he was ready. You can just, do you remember when Tavo Teravainen was coming over from Finland? They tr- Chicago Blackhawks fans were tracking his flight. The Blackhawks, it was Tavo time. They were waiting on it, waiting on it. And you build that hype and excitement. We did it with Caulfield. The minute Caulfield's senior season, or senior season, his second season at Wisconsin was done, we sat there and we waited and we waited and we waited and we waited. And then, boom, Cole Caulfield is here. You can build that hype assuming you draft a player worth that hype, et cetera. But I, I would be thrilled to see how the Canadians can handle this. And I think that if there's a team that knows the moment it's they, if anyone knows how to do a prolonged ceremony that goes on forever to get people excited, it's the Montreal Canadians, whether you like it or not at this point. Speaking of hype, we've got so many more episodes this week and leading up to the draft and after the draft. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube um, and hit that bell so you know when we produce new content. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can also leave mailback questions in the YouTube comments. We have not forgotten the mailback questions. We are going to continue with as many questions as we have over the course of this week uh, and beyond and forever and, uh, and ever <laughs> and ever. Amen. Um, and also, if you like this podcast, please give us good ratings and reviews so people can find us or tell your friends about us uh, so that we can continue to bring you all of this content. Uh, we've got some fun guests lined up as well for the next couple of episodes. So all of that's coming up. Make sure you're subscribed. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you tomorrow.